You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steven Bitch. And E3 is so close, we can almost taste it. In episode 227 today, June 10th, 2021. I want to first start off by apologizing that we were MIA last week. It's my fault. I caught a bit of a head cold from my daughter. We went... Yeah, it was one of those. Give me a glass of water. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my daughter had a dance recital. Lots of kids, lots of parents. What could possibly happen, right? Anyway... I am feeling a whole lot better. I'm on the 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 tail end of it where it's almost like like the body is uh getting rid of gross uh, serving an eviction notice ex- to the phlegm and mucus that is left over. If you You're know expelling the remnants. Exactly. Very, very nicely said. We have a fun show in store for you today. Before we get started, though, make sure you slap that subscribe button, maybe even cattle prod that <laughs> notification bell to make sure you do not miss out on any future episodes which drop once a week. Steve, what is new with you? Well, let's see, Russ. It's been a minute. Been about uh, twenty minutes. Actually, it's been about two weeks worth of minutes, Steve. I'm not exactly sure what yeah. that calculates to. I, I did not pass basic math. Well, depends on who is keeping the time, Russ. Uh, oh, ah, no pun intended, or was it? Mm. Uh, so I must tell you something. It was definitely the TVA, which we'll get to in a moment. <laughs> C- continue, please, Steve. I got a little story for you. I like stories. So, especially when they come from you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was speaking with the wife. Speaking recently. with the wife. Yeah. Were, oh, and how were you going about it? Were, were you speaking in old uh, middle-aged? Uh, actually, it's not middle-aged. What is it? <laughs> yeah, I, that is correct. Middle ages. You were speaking I as was, a 40-year-old? I was looking at you yeah. and I just thought I could think about was middle-aged. You were speaking <laughs> in tongues. Oh, not sure what now. Perhaps uh, hieroglyphics, right? Um, Pantomiming. How we got on a certain subject, I don't know. I think we we're talking about uh, Kim Basinger, Russ. I think we we're talking about uh, old Kim. Mm-hmm. And so I said, "Well, check this out." And I showed her a clip from the old Batman movie when it was Michael Keaton, Vicky Vale, Vicky Vale. That's right. That's the reporter with Knox. Uh, or photographer, how should I say it? Not She's reporter. Dating some guy named Wayne. <laughs> He's about to change up. Yeah. So I show her, she goes, wow, she's young. Oh, because you know why? What? I'm about to tell you. We watched, she showed me a movie called Cellular with Kim Basinger, a little bit older. Okay. There was a young Chris Evans in it, and Jason Statham. How have I not heard of this? Just get a little bit old, Russ. I mean, it was like pre-smartphone era. It was like when minutes were still a thing. Was this before or after um, 8 Mile that she was in with Eminem? I believe it was before. I so think. it had to have been late 90s? Maybe 8 Mile was after the 90s, wasn't it? Well, 8 Mile was like in the early 2000s. I don't know specifically the year it came out, but I believe it was early 2000s. Um, Yeah, this was like 03, I think. 
Gosh, yeah, it's it's right there. Anyway, continue. So anyhow, we were talking about Kim Basinger and um, how she it's just drop dead gorgeous and oh, um, beautiful. <laughs> and so I show her a clip from Batman, and I'm like, look how young she looks here. And she goes, "Have you ever showed me that movie?" And I went, "What? What? Oh, what? Oh my! You mean every time I went, have you seen all these movies?" Have you seen them all? Pointing through my collection. Well, these down here, second shelf. Huh? I know there's about 20 of them, but have you seen them all? And she's like, yeah, I've seen everything. Well, she hasn't seen one. Oh, that yet. is quite the one. So uh, she goes, oh, great. Well, I mean, I guess, well, I know what we're doing this weekend. I went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I sat down. We were having dinner. We actually had to split the movie up in you know three different nights because she goes really? to bed pretty early. Yeah, so the movie's we, not that long. It's, it's only not, like two it, hours. Yeah, it's not that long, but she goes to bed early. So uh, I showed her Batman, Michael Keaton style. Oh, beautiful. And um, we watched it on HBO Max. I did not put the DVD in. So they had like the the HD version. Yes. Okay. Um. Half of that movie is just Danny Elfman. Oh yeah, because I, 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 there are certain exceptions to movies that have a soundtrack as compelling and emotionally like absolving, <laughs> like like drawing you in mm-hmm. uh, to the movie as Michael Keaton's Batman um, or. Tim Burton's Batman. Tim Burton's Batman. I'd think Michael Keaton. I mean, you were, technically, Burton, yeah. you were not wrong. I mean, Michael Keaton is Batman. Um, and we we had the volume up, and you you hear just the emotion coming through, like the horn. I want I if I could go back and be in that recording studio when he is conducting all this music, I think I would have lost my stuff. Well, and, and the thing, I remember a story that was told because um, one time I was at San Diego Comic-Con recently and Michael Uslan, who's the um, executive producer on that film, he's, he's huge with a lot of the different comic book movies that have come out over the decades. And he was talking about how Danny Elfman at the time was a, a newer composer. He really didn't have that many films under his belt and... Tim was there with Danny and, and was explaining what he's going for and that sort of thing. And you had some high level execs that were a bit critical or, or really not sure if, if Danny could really do the job. And so they planned something where like, like the, the, the big time execs comes down to like where they're recording the soundtrack. Cause they want to know like, like what's up. Yeah. What are, what, are we, what are we getting our money's worth here? Exactly. And so I believe if I remember, if I remember correctly, it was either Michael or Tim uh, told Danny play the marching theme of, uh, of, of Batman, just play that. And so that of course is, is like the, the main song you hear during like the intro credits, you know, the, and what was so funny is that that song made such a huge impression on the big wig execs that the execs themselves. <laughs> we're going to be rich. Well, they, they were in like <laughs> kind of like this like sitting area of the auditorium. They got up and they started dancing arm in arm together like to the music because they just loved it. They thought it was absolutely fantastic. 
I don't great know how, story. Yeah. I don't know how they could do that, but I mean, sure, if that was what. <laughs> well, it's it's like the whole you put your arms in the lock and you're like, no, 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 you know, you're kind of you know, going around in circles, just sure. being silly. But they were so excited about how this song was was perfect. It was it was exactly what the persona of Batman is. I think one of my favorite scores, I guess, on the uh, on the soundtrack is the scene where. Batman rescues Vicky Vale. They uh, they go to the, the museum restaurant to eat, and he, yes. she says, "Okay, put this mask on," and kills everybody in there with the. That gas. is number seven on the Batman soundtrack. And so, uh, Batman with his hooks here and grappling hooks there, and where does he get gadgets? Those wonderful toys. He does a lot of gra- That's like the main thing that he does besides punch and kick is just shoot grapple hooks everywhere, smoke grenades. Yeah, Batarangs. Yeah, one or two. Hey. Anyhow, he does a lot of that in his movie. Anyway, so after that scene, she goes, get in the car. <laughs> she goes, which one? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so they're driving, well, after the fight scene anyway. I don't think that, that's not how it went, really. That that might be how it went in your head. No, that's the, I know precisely how it goes. That's not how it sounded. That, that, in the that's when she says which one, and she looks and you hear that like the huge brass. No, part. I'm talking like okay, that was the I, I'm set up the scene here for mm-hmm. you, but mm-hmm. it was after like they ran through town mm-hmm. and he just said like shields open, and so the shields ah. came off the car and then the car comes up to where he is and goes stop, and then the car stops and they're heading towards the Batcave. You are talking about number ten ah. on the soundtrack. Now we got it. Anyway. Where are we going? He just looks at her. Light. Ruin my night vision. Man. So anyhow. Such a great movie. So she was saying... Like this is like legit practical effects. I'm like, yeah, that you had to use what they had at the time, and yeah, so this is not gonna be all miniatures. You know, the big budget Christopher Nolan Batman. This is like back in the day before all this stuff was big, and and all the banks were behind it, so they had yep. to use what they had. And uh, so yeah, it's not as flashy, but it's still just as awesome. And that Batmobile is a fully working Batmobile. Like it's basically a Corvette. Yeah, in, like in like terms a 70s of the Corvette. Yeah, yeah they, they put some other stuff on it. No, but. did they? Really? Or just Batman just driving a Corvette. Really. No, 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 no. But a bunch of little things like like the uh, the lights on the back, uh, the tail lights are actually from a Ferrari. Oh, is that really? Mm. What about the what about the uh, the fender wings? Where are those from? I don't know. What about the turbine engine? Where's that from? Oh, I used to know that. <laughs> I, don't know I don't know. Well, I'm glad that you introduced Batman yeah. to her, and I hope that she enjoyed it. I hope she did. That, that she was blown away. She actually did. You have to listen to it. With the music loud, oh, it's incredible. Well, I mean, everything about it was amazing. When you think of the the tremendous acting from Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, and even all of, of the supporting cast as well, everybody was perfectly cast for their roles. It had that comic book opera with the, the cinematography. The suit itself was so forward-thinking for its time. I mean, I've watched that movie countless. I don't even know how many times I've watched that movie, but every time I watch it, I'm still completely blown away by the scale of it. 
you know what happened too is a lot of the lines we use you know, like in our just day-to-day yeah. banter. And so I'm like, that's why Russ says that to yep. me. That's why I say that to him. He's like, oh. So it's kind of an educational learning experience. Sure. The other thing we did, Russ, it's Memorial Day recently. Not not today. No. Today would not be Memorial Day. No. It, uh, no. Yeah. Anyhow, so we watched the entire Band of Brothers from Memorial Day to June 6th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not the Pacific, just the Band of Brothers. Still, both both series are fabulous. Yeah. So she hadn't watched the whole thing, and it had been quite a few years since I've seen the whole thing. I've seen, like, specific episodes, and uh, but I, I hadn't watched it all in, in one sitting for quite some time. So I thought it was, you know, Memorial Day, pretty, uh, you know, what, other, what else are you going to watch on Memorial Day besides... Saving Private Ryan? Well, perhaps, Saving Private Ryan, you can only handle some... I mean... It's intense. Oof, I mean, it's it's all intense. It's so. all intense, yeah. But at least this one is not so intense. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely well acted, and they give you they, they show you the lives of a big company, easy right. company. Um, but it's not so much like in your face. Like here, here's somebody that you're gonna fall in love with, and now we're gonna blow his legs off. Okay, yeah, yeah. now here's somebody else. So. Anyhow. Well, good. Band of Brothers. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm happy for you, Steve. Anything mm-hmm. else? No, that was not be um, just about it. All right. Well, you definitely had some quality entertainment, I would say, that, yeah. that, that you were watching for sure. I definitely give a hearty two thumbs up to both of those. Speaking of which, <clears throat> Tom Hardy was in it. Just for a little bit. Really? Indeed. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to rewatch it just to look around for him. Yeah, but he was very young, Tom very Hardy. Very young, very scrawny. Yes. Tom Hardy. Very nice. So today being June 10th, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate was released. And I was able to download it because I had purchased a copy of it, the physical copy in this case, yeah. for the PS4. Sure. However, there was a bit of a learning process that I actually I wanted to share with you as well as all of our listeners and viewers out there because in the event that you guys decide that you are going to be getting this upgrade itself, I figured I'd give you a hand because Sony really, they could have made the whole like save data transfer process better. If you think about it, like, like, um, Microsoft has done a really nice job with sure. the smart delivery system that they've put together, right? Yes. So, like, if you need to, to play a game on, on an old Xbox or if you have an Xbox Series X, it the, the transition is really seamless. I mean, you basically just get the game, you load it up, and then you, uh, you know, let it sync, and then you start playing. There's really nothing you have to think about. Not so with the PS5, Steve. Hmm. So, in this instance, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um... When I had finished downloading the, the, the upgraded PS5 version, my saved game was gone. So I go into the menu and where it says continue, you know how it says like new game, continue, load game, yada, yada, yada. Continue was grayed out. And if I clicked on load game, there were no games there. I'm thinking, oh no, did this upgrade just completely erase my saved Oops. game? 
And see, the, what, what made things a little more complicated too was the fact that I started playing Final Fantasy VII Remake on my PS4 Pro, but I didn't finish it. When I got the PS5, I had transferred all my stuff over to the PS5, and, I, and it was there that I finished like the, the remaining like seven hours or whatever <laughs> that, that I had to go, right? Two minutes. Yeah, so... so <laughs> Attack done. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> but... In that instance, though, I realized, oh, my goodness, like, does that mean I have to go back to my PS4 Pro and upload my save data once again? And if I had to do that, that would mean that I would have to replay through that whole chunk at the end. So I was going back. I was doing tons of research on this, and um, I'm really kind of surprised that Square Enix and Sony have both dropped the ball on this in terms of, like, making the instructions really easy to find and just out there like, Hey, FYI, here are your steps. Uncle Russ is going to uh, help you out in this instance. <laughs> Minus the accidental uh, tap there. Um, I'm anyway. awake now. <laughs> so looking at the PS5 menu screen, this is what you get when you are finished downloading Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. You'll notice it looks just like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, what I discovered is, is that you now have two versions of the game on your system, like on, on your hard drive. You have the PS4 version of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and you have the PS5 version. So when the game finishes downloading the Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, that's what you see here. And what I discovered is, is that in order to get your save data moved, because now it's thinking there are two completely different types of games. You have to go down to where these three dots exist and you click on that and you'll notice it now has this one item that says PS4 full Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's basically telling you that, oh, hey, if you want to play the PS4 version of this game, you have to click this because right now we're on the PS5 version. So you click this and then you'll notice at the top there, it says Final Fantasy VII Remake PS4. And then you'll see the disc icon with like the USB icon as well, because that's where I have my PS4 Pro version saved. Even though the USB version is in fact plugged into my PS5. So then you go into play game like this. And you'll notice that um, these places actually exist. So the deal is, is you have to go down to where it says upload save data. This will only work if you're in the PS4 version. That's what makes what part of this confusing too, is that if you go into the PS5 version, the upload save data still exists, but nothing happens. So you're just like, what on earth is going on? Well, you have to go into upload save data of your PS4 version. And you know, it works because this screen comes up and they give you some instructions as to how to transfer a save from your PS4 to your PS5. And you'll notice like the, the I have one already that I have transferred over. I say confirm, okay. So in this instance, what I'm gonna do is I'll just select this one instead to upload. So I select it, it'll say, oh, data has been previously uploaded on the slot already, do you wanna overwrite? Um, and I say, why, yes I do. Here, let's do it. Uploading, save data, save data, blah, 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 confirm, okay. So then you go back out to the menu here, you go back down to the three dots and you'll notice now it's asking, oh, would you like to change from PS4 to PS5? Here's the PS5 full version of Final Fantasy VII Remake. You say, well, yes I do. And you go into play game again 
And once we get to the main menu screen, it says additional content has been downloaded. Select system followed by DLC via the main menu to acquire. <clears throat> so you go in here and you'll have to download save data at this point. And you'll see it comes up. Here it is, level 38, chapter 17, deliverance from chaos, blah, blah, blah. Confirm. Which slot do you want to choose? Oh, I'll choose this empty slot here. You want to save your data to the selected slot? Why, yes, I would. Data successfully saved. To play, please access data from the load game confirmed. So now all you have to do is go into load game, and there it is. Now you have your saved game from your PS4 Pro experience, or PS4, just, just your PS4 in general. Um, and you're able to continue playing at that point in time. Um, you know, for, for me, I have this other save version that I, I put on there. Um, and, and once again, you're like, oh, wow, look, here we are. We're back in this, this area and we're able to continue playing. That's so. where I am, actually, in the game. Really? You just say you just basically rescued Aerith. Uh, well, right actually, then. That, that yes. That, and you that, got that Red is, 13? Yes. That's where is I correct. Am. That is correct, Steve. That is actually precisely where I am. Oh, good, Steve. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to complete something. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> but anyway, wanted to make everybody aware of that because I have a feeling Thank there's going to be a lot of gamers out there who are excited to check out the PS5 version. Uh -huh. They don't want to start a new game. They want to continue nope. with their saved game. Right. And they're probably going to have an oh crap moment like I did where Most I thought likely. the saved game itself was lost. Right. That's a bunch of steps, Russ. I was starting to fall asleep. Well, Steve, if you had the new game, you definitely would not be falling asleep. You'd be looking intensely uh -huh. as each step was shown to you. Probably going, what the frick is going on over here? <laughs> I, I'm also very happy to report yes. to you, Steve, that I beat Resident Evil Village. I knew that was coming. Great game. I know. Very, very great game. I know. I still need to get through Resident Evil 2 Remake and Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, but after completing my official Resident Evil title, I'm very, very happy about that. You still need to get through Resident Evil 7 too, bro. Resident Evil 7. Oh, oh yes. I, you know, I was checking Bio out one of, my, one of my favorite streamers, uh, Fighting Cowboy, and he had played through that game back when it was first released. That is a twisted game. Like, I realized, like, yeah, yeah it's kind of spoiler territory for me to, to watch, but I, w I just wanted to get, like, kind of a feel for how the game is. That game is a very different experience than Resident uh -huh. Evil Village. Mm. So. Altogether. I'll have to see how how uh, how brave I'm feeling to get through that, because there's a lot of messed up stuff with that. I think what is a, is kind of disturbing to me with that game is it's not really about zombies and like the supernatural so much as it's really like, it's almost like Texas chainsaw massacre style where you have this backwoods family that's essentially torturing you and torturing your wife or girlfriend or whatever it is at the time. So it's a different dynamic, but uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I also watched a movie called Macbeth. Have you heard of Macbeth? Yes, you have. I've heard of Macbeth. Uh, I don't recall seeing it, but yes, I have heard. Yes, Ross. So Macbeth is a Shakespeare play. Right. And okay. apparently there was a movie that came out that starred Michael Fosbender 
as Macbeth. And the, the story itself revolves around some Scottish general. Like Macbeth was like, a, well, in the story, like I think this is a completely fictional story, but Macbeth was like this, this um, general for the Scottish army. And they were, they were going through some kind of civil war with the King of Scotland and all this stuff going on. Anyway, in typical Shakespearean style, I mean, it's like really heavy and like all this awful, crazy stuff happens, everything else, tragedy, you, you name it, it's in there. But the main thing that I want to impress upon you, Steve, as well as all of our viewers, <clears throat> yes, right? is that the cinematography in that movie is one of the most beautiful looking movies I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah? What's crazy is that I've heard most, if not all of the scenes in that movie were completely lit by natural light. They did not have any kind of studio lights whatsoever in there. And when you look at each one of the shots, the framing of it, cinematography, all of, of, of how they've arranged the um, every single composition of the various shots and whatnot, half the time I would I actually found myself muting what was being said because I'm I'm one of those people where like when you listen to a Shakespearean script, it's like they're kind of speaking English, but they're kind of not. And I'm like, Okay, I kind of get the gist of what is happening from a very high level standpoint, but like I'm struggling to keep up with like what? Oh, this what are you poetry and what you're trying yeah. to say? I can't handle I'm it. I'm a very simple man. I'm not exactly sure what, what you're saying, but I think if I had to guess, do he, you bequeath thy will? <laughs> it sounds like you're getting real cerebral in a psychological manner, <laughs> and with that knife that you're holding, I have a feeling you're gonna stab that dude. Anyway, um. Really, really cool movie, just visually speaking. Like I said, it was a bit more of like a heavier plot and everything else. So I was not as much into that. It wasn't exactly my kind of style. But visually speaking, though, I was very happy, Steve. Okay. I definitely recommend it to you. Nice. We are burdened with glorious purpose. It's the topic of the day! Our topic of the day is the Disney Plus Loki episode one review. Ah, a bit loud. If you haven't seen the, well, I was going to say film. Basically, it's like a film. But if you haven't seen the episode, we would suggest perhaps you pausing us and going to check out the show itself because we are going into spoiler territory. And we definitely don't want to ruin anything for you. But if you don't care, then let us continue on. Steve, I'm very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the first episode of Loki. What say you? Well, it's all about Tom Hiddleston and uh, Owen Wilson there, Russ. It really is. Yeah. Yep. Um, I th This is very curious. Yes. Me. There wasn't a whole lot of action going on, but, um, but because there was... Two actors that actually do have a lot of chemistry together, and uh, I've I've loved a lot of stuff that Owen Wilson has been in. And of course, Tom Hiddleston, you, you 
one of our favorite. You villains. can't, yeah, you, you can't go wrong with Tom Hiddleston. In fact, I've right. missed him for for a while now. I, he is fantastic on screen. Yeah. This character was just absolutely designed for him. Right. It like it, it, it's funny when if I think of like like Tony Stark, for instance, like Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Right. Like there is what no one else that can can replace right. Tony Stark. Tom Cruise. Yeah. No. <laughs> But Tom Hiddleston is, is is exactly the same way when it comes to Loki. I love it. Right. And like what you're saying, like when it comes to Owen Wilson, we've always been fans of Owen in several films over the decades. Right. So to see him join the MCU is a pretty, pretty special treat. And have a mustache at that, Russ. A very nice mustache, I might add. <laughs> and frosty hair. <laughs> Apparently he's been taking a closer look. Oh boy! But no, it, it was good. I I knew they were they had to have continued off where uh, Avengers Endgame had ended when he got the Tesseract and was like, "I'm out, peace." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's I knew that was what was going to have to happen. Although I didn't expect him to drop out of like the sky into like the desert uh, in that first scene. <laughs> like, okay, you couldn't do on the ground. Okay, cool. But uh, I, you know, the 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 door was open. I didn't know what to expect. I was just wanting to be entertained, and so far I am. Um, I I liked the uh, you know I one I hold on I'm my brain is trying to say something. You sound like you're getting a little verklempt over there, Steve. <laughs> I liked the scene. I probably my favorite part of the of the little show was when uh, they were talking about how he likes to hurt people or mm. why he he likes to hurt people. Yeah. And he's trying to get an answer out of Loki. Like, tell me something here. You ain't going nowhere. I'm your therapist. I mean, he was not his therapist, but that basically was. He was, was like kind of wearing the psychologist cap. Yeah. Or psychiatrist cap. Right. So, and he's showing him what could have been or what did occur. And Loki had no clue that that was the case. Like, you know, him leading the ah, the the army, the, the bad guys, the bad people who end up killing his mom, mm. for example. The dark did, elves, Steve. I, was there the dark elves? Uh, yes. They were the dark elves. Okay. <laughs> or they, were they the woodland elves? No. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't pay attention. Oh, man. Okay. I must have had something in my popcorn that day. <laughs> um... <laughs> What are those bad guys from <laughs> Thor Dark World? Uh, no one likes Thor Dark World, Russ. That was that was like the non-favorite Thor. Mm. Anyhow. So he's showing him that, and then uh, he's showing him how like the different lines like uh, that uh, that could have transpired. Um, yep. Timelines in a sense. <clears throat> Almost the space-time continuum. Right. And then he gets to the part where uh, Avengers... Um, or... Thanos has him and kills him. Like he's watching his own death. Right. For crying out loud. I mean, that's, I, that was heavy for me. I mean, I was heavy watching it. Um, what they did not show though, was Thor uh, crying out after. Uh, well, Loki they, got they did. Sh- well, they did show him mourning over the dead body of Loki. They did show <laughs> that. Yeah. They, yeah. Right. And I was, I mean, I'm with you. Like I was really expecting, them to show the part where Thor says you'll die for that. Right. Uh, but I think, I think they got the gist across. Like they, I don't think they wanted to compete with, cause that was, that was a pretty high emotional moment in Avengers infinity war. And 
I just I think they were trying to to focus more on how Loki was responding. But yeah, like let so so let let's back up a little bit. Um, so the TVA, I love the TVA. I think it is a wonder. <clears throat> excuse me, wonderful. What was that? I'm so excited. Even my phlegm wants to talk. That's disgusting. <clears throat> when it comes to having a new entity within the MCU, I think it fits perfectly. I I loved all of the characters that exist within this world. Um, I was really struck by the the production design. Like if when you look at all the different rooms they were in, how it was decidedly very 60s almost in terms of the color palette, the the large knobs and switches and, and buttons. buttons. Yeah. And even the the eccentric type of personalities that that exist in, in that space. It's really interesting because I felt like they did a really nice job of conveying this sense that it's really a secure location. Like like the people who live who live or work there, they it's not like they had gone through like what everybody had gone through with like Infinity War and Endgame, where like Thanos snapped his fingers and half of all life ceased to exist. Like you can tell they were kind of in their own little bubble, and I thought that was really neat because you had someone like Loki, who I mean, understandably and arguably so, he's a threat, and he's he has different types of abilities and that sort of thing, and how it just didn't exist in this space. And what I thought was cool, so the TVA stands for Time Variant Authority. And one of the first questions that came to my mind, because they spent a fair amount of time um, with with uh, Loki watching like that little like funny 60s style cartoon, which, by the way, I believe was voiced by Tara Strong, who is also the voice of Harley Quinn. So hmm. great job, because that did not sound at all like Tara based off the other characters I've heard her do. So I'm like, wow, that's impressive. She got the whole like uh, Southern, Southern charm, yeah. drawl, yeah. Um, but anyway, it was really cool to see that, and I was I was asking myself, okay, they're clearly starting to introduce like this this notion of like a multiverse, right? Because they're providing a lot of exposition when it comes to like how this 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 this. Uh, kind of like threaded uh, timeline uh, works, how it exists, how back in the day there was like this, this big uh, threat toward what was going on. There are multiple threads and it was like this multiverse kind of thing. It definitely makes me wonder if the next um, like infinity style war in the future is going to be like a multiverse war. That's what I'm wondering. I, I am, I'm not going to necessarily predict that's what what the next big battle is going to be. But I mean, I feel like they're setting us up because Loki is, it looks like he's able to go back in time. He can go forward in time. He, and not only that, but he, he can probably go into these, these multidimensional versions of reality. So I have a feeling that at the very least, they're going to tease the possibility of that happening. And if they do go full tilt in that direction, I'm going to say you heard it here first folks. <laughs> I think that's going to be difficult to maintain and continue, though, because once they start that route or roots, multiple, it's going to be hard to understand and keep track of, okay, here's a timeline of this character. Oh, but then, you know, uh, next year we're going to go 
cross multiverse and then we're going to continue that story and then the year after that we're going to go to a different whole chain and you know i mean i think it could be interesting to start if they go down that route but i don't know in the long run if uh if that's going to be the best decision i think that as long as they are responsible with not getting too crazy with the timelines it could be a rush like i think it would be super cool to be in a type of situation where you can suddenly introduce like multiple versions of a hero, for example, right? Like they, they, they exist. And we've seen this to a certain extent, like, like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse um, was a fantastic example of like how there were like all these different variations of Spider-Man that exist in these parallel dimensions, right? <clears throat> and so I think this is kind of the direction that both the MCU and DCU are headed. One of the reasons I can think of is because they have an aging cast. So like Disney is not going to retire <laughs> Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, Black Widow. Like, like they're, they're not going to do that. So they need a means to be able to introduce a different version, a younger version of these types of characters, as well as introduce brand new characters that we haven't seen before. And I think this is going to be their vehicle for that, which I got to say, like, I'm okay with that. I think that that, logically speaking, that makes sense. I can get behind an idea like that and say, sure, I think that works. Same thing with DCU. Like they're having the the Flash movie that's coming out soon. And we're really, really pumped for that because Michael Keaton is going to reprise his role as Batman. Like, I mean, that's like a bucket list item for me. Like how on earth did they finally get that off the ground and working? I'm not, I don't, I don't care. I'm just glad it's happening. But at the same time, I'm glad it's not bad flag. Well, I, and he may even be in there too. I'm not even sure like, like how many different versions they're going to have. That's my suit. But at the same time, you can tell that they too are starting to flirt with this idea because the flash is the one character that can go back in time and forward in time, go into these different dimensions in, into their version of the multiverse and, and DC. And so I think both studios understand how this could be a very rewarding Pandora's box. But to your point, I think that it's very prudent of them to keep a hand, like, like don't just fly off the handle and, turn it into kind of like a participation trophy situation. Like you, you need to be methodical. You need to have a very strong purpose as to why we are going to um, certain dimensions or why certain things are happening that, that are supposedly out of these different characters control, so on and so forth. One of the scenes that I thought was also really cool was um, if you recall, Loki had kind of gotten away, like he was trying to figure a way to get out of there and he finds the guy who took the Tesseract. Right. And so uh, the first thing I thought was great was like how he's trying to threaten him. And he's like, I'll gut you like a fish. And he's like, what's a fish? And he's like, how do you not know what a fish is? He's like, I've been, I've been behind a desk my whole life. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I guess you have, huh? And, and, but it, it lended credibility to this world because it's like, well, yeah, maybe they don't have a species known as fish here. And I thought that was fantastic. But, the, but furthermore... If you remember, he opened up that drawer where the Tesseract was and there were all these infinity stones. And I initially had like a, uh-oh moment when I saw it because I mean, here's Loki. He sees all these infinity stones, everything else. But I loved how they decided to go with it where um, the guy even said, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> several of the guys around here, they use those as like paperweights. Yeah. 
and right. it instantly removed the sense of threat from the infinity stones in that moment being in that space. Because again, it's reinforcing this notion that like this place is way different than what we have all been used to. Like the rules that we have been conditioned by no longer apply in this space. And to see Loki have that revelation. He didn't even say anything. It was all acting. It was all in his face, but you could see how like the wind was just like, it left his sails. Like he was like, these things are supposedly like, like the most powerful elements in the universe. And they have multiple copies of them and versions. And they're in like a little drawer that some there's no person yeah. is like, just, you know, there's no messages. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there's, they're clearly not valued the same way. Right. So I thought that was great. Another thing too, going back to what you were talking about. I love that, that sequence between Owen and um, Tom in terms of their performance, because you can tell like, like there was this back and forth of Loki attempting to figure out where he was, what's the deal, what's it, what is, what is um, agent Mobius want. And it was really interesting to like have kind of a timeline recap of what was going on. Because if you remember this Loki in the show was taken from the first Avengers movie. Right. This Loki was not around for the Infinity War version of Avengers. Right. So he has no idea that Thanos kills him. Yeah, I know. I know. That's so, what so, I was just saying. And that's, that's I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, I agree with you. I think yeah, I think it, right. it was really, really powerful to like have him have this this epiphany, this this, this moment of discovery, right? Where I just love, I love time travel stuff like this. This is like back to the future. I'm a huge back to the future fan. It's a slippery slope. And when it makes sense, it's great. When it, Oh, like when you start to like see what they're doing, you, you can take like, basically they rehashed a bunch of material we had already seen, but in a completely different light. And I'm on the edge of my seat going, Oh dude, that's right. Because this is the Loki from the first Avengers. This is the Joss Whedon Loki. And now he's seeing several years in the future what happens when he actually does try to save his brother. Like, like it's no longer because, like, you know, when he got caught, he was not, at, you know, in, in good relations with Thor at all. Because if you think about it, even Thor Ragnarok had not happened yet. So, like, like they didn't have that that coming together to try and take out their evil sister. You know, Thor hadn't lost his eye yet. He saw all this stuff go on. But the big moment was like what you were, you were saying, like when, when um, Thanos killed him and how I think that really caused him to be like, wow, like I had just taken orders from Thanos in order to take on Earth. I just lost that battle from the Avengers. And now I see into the future about how this is this is the end of my existence. Whoop. Sorry, a little excited there. Um. <laughs> Correct. Continue, please. Yeah, no. So, and at that point, um, Mobius comes in. He's thinking that he's going to have to, uh, you know, wrestle uh, him down to the ground and and hurt him with those like disintegrating batons kind of thing. Which I think, no, nah, I'm probably wrong. I was going to say I think those batons were they they look familiar to the staff that was used in Thor Ragnarok. Remember, mm. he's like, oh, you, you touch somebody with them, they go Bleh, and they just kind of melt away. Oh yeah. Anyhow, but uh, but so Loki had that collar off 
that time little bit no that mini time travel caller where they can push a button if he like runs off and they'll, you know bring him right back. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he's going okay. Like he, I don't know what he's capable of without the the caller. He can't use his powers there, or can he? But they don't know what's going on. Well, if you if you recall, um, we find out that he tried to use the tesseract several times and it just doesn't work. Like his powers right. do like straight up do not work. Right, in or area. in the courtroom when he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Like what was he doing? Um, but that was funny though. Was when that guard came in and he was able to somehow take that collar off without hurting himself. I want to know why he couldn't do that before. Uh, and then he hooks it on her. <laughs> it reminded me of like sometimes when uh, you know in the Sega Genesis games when you can go the options and you can go into the sounds. And then you can, there's a list of all uh-huh. the sounds and the voices. And then you you do like this remix kind of style. Like, hey, 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 where are you going? Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> so Loki's going forward, backward, forward, backward, forward, backward, oh, forward, backward. Oh, man. <laughs> she like, stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that effect, too. The, the special effects on that was, were pretty satisfying. And I was uh. honestly a little concerned. I really liked the guard, the female guard. I thought she was cool. But uh, yeah, when, when he got a hold of it, and he, I mean, he was intentionally torturing her going back and forth like that. There was a an, uh, certain percentage of it that I thought was funny. But at the same time, I was like, wow, can you imagine being trapped in that kind of situation? Like, I, I think that would really scar you psychologically, <laughs> if not physically. But the one of the other aha moments of the episode is that we come to find out that there is some sort of threat, some sort of villain antagonist that is going around um, causing mayhem. And we come to find out apparently it is Loki. Right. So that is pretty interesting too, because it begs the question, okay, well, how does this Loki exist? Is this Loki a byproduct of what this Loki um, that Owen has talked to um, as he goes on this mission? Like, does he suddenly have some sort of event that causes a split. So there are now two of them, or maybe it's just simply him in the future. Um, so I'm, I think it's off to a great start. Honestly, I I'm, I'm really digging the, the visual aesthetic, the art direction. I'm digging, um, the, the, the new characters that are being introduced. The, just the fact that Tom Hiddleston gets to have a standalone show where we get to see a lot of him. The man has range. Like he has like a wonderful acting range that goes beyond just, Oh, I'm Loki. You know, I'm here to cause mischief. (laughs) I'm Loki. Give him my horn hat. Yeah. Now I like the psychology in it too, because Loki, I guess speaks more eloquently than a lot of the other Avengers do or some of the villains do. Uh, and so to hear him speak is almost like hearing Vision speak in a sense. But, you know, Vision's a good guy. Loki's a bad guy. Yeah. But I think what what might come to term is, um, well, I, I just say that, but Loki coming to terms actually with his other physical self. And whatever is going to happen is whatever is going to happen. I don't know. But we might see a whole new villain or we might see him turn into a good guy. We don't know. But he's obviously looking to help mm-hmm. in a certain way to a certain extent. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but he ain't going anywhere. You know, he's got trapped here. So it's like, okay, help us or, you know, take a, take a time out for a long time. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. No, I'm really excited to see where the story goes. I think that this is probably going to be a a really big success for Disney plus. Yeah. And by the way, it drops 
new episodes every Wednesday, Oof. which is interesting because normally I think they usually drop on like Fridays, either Thursdays yeah, or Thursday Fridays. Thursday or Friday, yeah. Um, so it's actually, I think it's cool that we have something to look forward to midweek. middle of the week. Yeah. We're going to drop right in the middle of our Twitch, Russ. Uh, well, good thing it's video on demand. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out Patreon. No, excuse me. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm correct, aren't I? What are you talking about? <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy early access and exclusive perks, not to mention it helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Also, make sure you poke that subscribe button and tickle that notification bell to make sure you do not miss any future episodes of Joygasm that land on YouTube itself. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see a stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night, as Steve said. 9.30 p.m. Central Time. And leave us a comment. Let us know. Did you like Loki? Did you not like Loki? Do you agree with what we're talking about? Do you disagree with what we're talking about? We'd like to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. We will see you next week when E3 is here. <laughs> <laughs>